What's up? I mean, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy y'all are spending some time with us on an off the rails Thursday. Chip and Zay, two fellas just hanging out on a Thursday from one to three with y'all. Yes, you know sir. what I'm saying? I know so, what you're saying, man. Be active. Be active. Be, this is your show. We are the show of the people. Well, we're the show of the people that, you know, like a little infotainment, little humor. Hanging with my dog over here. The my dog. dog. My I dog. Mean, Zay, now, now, your light yesterday was beautiful. Well, we, what we got today? Now, today, it feels like your light is not shining as bright and nice as it was yesterday. Give me give me 30 seconds, if that. Hold on. 30 se- oh, there it goes. It looked like it was just too far away from my man, Zay. Maybe my light's not good enough today. Let me, let me see if I need to crank up my light today. Let's get our lighting right. There we go. Now we'll see how Zay does. Oh! Yeah, get close. There we go. There he is. Better. Loud and clear, crystal clear stereo. Okay, so Zay, as you know, before we get into talking Texas, as you know, my son, Tiger, he's in Spain. He's in Barcelona. Barcelona. Man. And he texted me last night. He's, you know, because at first he was like, what am I doing here? Apparently, they went to the club last night. Okay. Some place called Razmataz. It's like a four-story club. He goes, Dad, thank you so much for sending me to Spain. I'm so happy. I met some women. I'm like, And I, I mean, look, Spanish women, Spain, women from Spain, He said he's got a teacher over there who's German, who looks like she's a student. What? And he's like, I go to that class. I'm like, you better be going to all the classes. <laughs> That's my man. Tigers sound more like a dog. Might have to call him Cujo from now on. That's what I'm talking about, man. Live it up. You're I only in you, your man. early 20s once, man. Live it up. That's what I'm talking about. I love hearing that kind of thing. I told man. him, work hard, work hard, play hard. That's right. But show up to class, because class is mandatory over there. Just show up. Yeah, just show up. Yeah. yeah. Come on, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, I dig it, man. But he better be careful, because you're right. Them Spanish women, you don't know what they saying. Everything just sounds good and sexy. So you, (laughs) they could be cussing you out. They could be cussing you out, just calling you every name in the book, and you would have no idea. I'm sure Spanish is a lot better than mine, but shoot, man. It's not much better than yours. (laughs) Okay, okay. He said he was with some girl last night. They couldn't even talk to, I mean, they couldn't even communicate but they were communicating okay yeah yeah so, anyway i think my boy had his uh his breakthrough night last night in spain okay. yo when i was at your crib and i asked him about his dance moves and stuff because he said he'd be going to the club and he showed me a little bit like he hit the sauce on him and i was like okay tiger look at the swag look at the 
Yes. Play, he, learned, he learned like one or two dance moves. <laughs> just, just enough to get him by, you know? Yeah. yeah that's all you need. That's all you that's need. All you I'm need. ask them to be Justin Timberlake out there, but as long as you know a couple of moves to where it looks like you know what you're doing or you could throw something out there, you know, that's, that's all you need, man. It sounds like my guy is living well up in Europe. Okay, so then I get this text from a friend who is a total degenerate. Oh, geez. And he says, and he's actually a Baylor alum and he says i'm betting thirty three thousand dollars on texas minus 15. i'm like you're an idiot but you're probably gonna win so good luck yeah he said our quarterback is horrible he has no faith in sawyer robertson he said we're better off playing the kid behind him who's like from Austin. Who? What? Yeah, well, I need you to check into this, Zay. You are the Austin. This could be a lie. This guy may be just hold on a second. Let me see if I got. I mean, they were supposed to get Austin Novasad from Dripping Springs, but he ended up decommitted and going to Oregon. So I don't know who he's talking about. See if we can figure this out. Who's the third string? RJ Mar RJ Martinez. Oh, where did he go? RJ Martinez. Yes, he is. He is from Austin. Yeah, RJ Martinez. Or maybe okay. not. Junior doesn't make sense. RJ Martinez. That's the only backup I see. Yeah, yeah. So where did he go? I don't know. The name sounds familiar. Oh, he went to Westwood. There it is. There it is. Okay, he went to Westwood. Yeah, so my degenerate friend says Baylor would be better off playing R.J. Martinez. He 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 lives, breathes, sleeps Baylor. Okay. And like he okay, this is true. He won a parlay. He won a hundred thousand dollars on a parlay. And the third leg of the parlay was Baylor winning the Big 12 football championship when Oklahoma State came up one inch short of the goal line. The other parlay was like some nonsense NBA, MLB. It was crazy. Right. I'll, I'll get him to text it to me, but he won 100,000. He said, this is part of that 100,000. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay. What whatever whatever you got to do, man. Whatever floats your boat and doesn't sink mine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what do you think about that bet? Um I mean, sounds good. You know, like going into the Alabama game or excuse me, after the Alabama game, I would say hell yeah, minus 14 and a half. That's it. You know, that's that's it. That's all they getting for Baylor. But what we saw against Wyoming last week, I don't know, Chip. This team 
And again, it's still early, so it's really hard to tell what this team fully is. But in three games, especially the two against Rice and Wyoming, the G5 teams, they've played down to their competition. We talked about it, you know, all week. Just we, they played down. Sark's play calling isn't as good. Quinn Ewers, he's not as locked in. But we know that team from Alabama, if they could show that, then, yo, it's on to Jerry World. It's on to the college football playoff. Just the stats that you see coming out. I heard Brad Kellner with Bucky this morning and with Trey talk about them being first in defense, total defense, but last in total offense efficiency. Like, what? That sounds fake. Like how on one side you got the best defense arguably in the nation and the other you have the worst offense. Like that's crazy to me. So what Texas team will we see this Saturday? What version of Steve Sarkeesian will we see? And what version of Quinn Ewers will we see? I think that's definitely going to determine the ball game. But Dave Aranda, this defense, he takes a lot of pride in his defense. And we heard Matt talk to us yesterday. Yo, the dude's confident weirdly confident like when you lose to texas state you should be coming in with no confidence zero and you don't have your starting quarterback like where is he finding this you know that's what scares the crap out of me like i think dave aranda i think he's a pretty good coach you know he's just had a lot of bad luck you know this first three games of the season and yo sark they're going to prepare just like how Rice prepared. They're going to prepare just like how Wyoming prepare and try to take away what you want to do, and that's let the ball fly and go down the field through the air. So if Steve Sarkeesian, is he confident enough and does he trust this offensive line enough, including Jonathan Brooks? And I'm sure you're going to get into C.J. Baxter and where he's at coming into this week. But is he going to trust the run game instead of the pass game first? Is he going to take what the defense gives him? And if he does that, then, yo, I like your man's bet. If he doesn't, then, yo, this could be a very tight game, just like what we saw last Saturday when Wyoming was tied 10-10 going into the fourth. 49 and a half is the over-under. Maybe that is the better play. But I ain't saying nothing to this fool. <laughs> I don't want my fingerprints... You know, people call me and ask me stuff like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I'm like, I ain't feeding into this. You think yeah. I want some, I think I want your blood on my hands? No. You are flying solo on this. You can see my prediction. You can listen to it on Texas Sports Unfiltered. You can well, they, they think that you're going to give them the inside scoop. Like what all the people, which it's a ton, a buku amount that follow Texas football, they think that you, since they know you, you're going to give them some inside information type yeah. stuff that nobody like I'm some Oracle. Has. Yeah. Right. And people think I have tickets too. Like, <laughs> we're like, hey man, you got any tickets? I'm like, do I got tickets? No. I don't have season tickets. I don't have tickets, tickets. Well, do you have access to tickets? No. Mm. Like, you think Texas just, like, looks at me like that? Texas would run over me in a, like, all four team buses would, they'd run me over with. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
you might have had every coach at Texas since you've been covering them angry at you at one point. At one point. <laughs> at, one, at one point. Probably cool with them now. I know you have good relationships with guys like Mac and stuff now, but at one point, they didn't like you very much. So they asking for tickets, man. Folks so cheap. Folks I'm like, so cheap out here. come on, man. I don't have tickets. Wow. I'm not, I'm not the ticket master. That's yeah. Yeah, your best shot is going to Syntax tickets with us. Like, we got over 5,000 subscribers yeah. in five weeks, which is incredible. Your best, you know, subscribe. Right there. Texas Sports Unfiltered. That's your best shot of getting tickets with us here. But, yeah, man, it's kind of like if you own the restaurant, people think that they get stuff for free or stuff for the low. Like, that's not how it works. You're supposed to support us. You know me. You're supposed to support me more and want to buy full price. Like, that's that's how it works, man. But, you know, I get it. Inflation, times are tough out here in these streets. So I get it. Right. Times are tough out here in these streets. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, man. All right. So so what, what, what how are you feeling coming into Thursday? Where we I, think, I mean, I'll be stunned if Texas doesn't handle business, you know? Yeah. Um, but I want to see, I want to see Sark and Quinn get into a rhythm early, um, you know, and then let's, let's see if Texas is willing to be patient, pound the rock, eat the clock. You know, what's really changing everything, Zay. And by the way, Steve Sarkeesian said C.J. Baxter looked great in practice. Um, so look for C.J. Baxter to be back on the field. Um, but, you know, the clock, the new clock rule is changing everything. It, they're not scoring as many points. Now, I say that and OU's beating Central Arkansas 73 to nothing or whatever. But, like, in competitive games the possessions are going down and you know that's what we saw in the wyoming game like wyoming was able to convert third and short and keep that drive going 17 plays 10 minutes off the clock because they're not stopping the clock for first downs so it's it's changing how many possessions you're getting and that's why it also might be better to play the under yeah. But um yeah, Amo says Sark wasn't happy with Chip uh, at the press conference on Monday. Sark wasn't happy getting any more questions about the passing game. Yeah. He didn't it wasn't just it, it didn't matter if it was from me or Zay or Trey or BK. Sark felt like he had just cut open a vein about what was wrong with the passing game and he didn't want to answer any more questions about it. So He's, uh, you know, he says it's going to be better. And look, he knows the passing game. He knows it. What's one thing that's interesting, though, he has kind of changed the identity of their running game. They ran a lot of inside zone, outside zone last year. They're running a lot of gap scheme stuff, but, you know, pulling guards. And, and, and I wonder if that's the Paul Christ influence coming in because – Paul Chris likes to run that counter power gap scheme stuff and, you know, kind of get the big boys flowing and, and crushing. 
and uh, and let's see if they can get that going against Baylor because Baylor has not been able to stop the run. They're giving up 170 yards rushing per game. Come on, Texas. Flex, flex your muscles here. Flex. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's just every team that's going to play Texas for the rest of the year, I mean, there's going to be some teams that they just can't help themselves and they're going to throw the ball, but they're going to look to run the football just so they can take the ball out of Sark and Quinn Ewer's hands and not allow this offense to be as high-powered as we saw against Alabama. And, you know, maybe you talk about the new gap schemes and stuff, what they're implementing now in 2023 versus what they did in 2022. You got different backs now. Like that guy, number five, now number seven for the Atlanta Falcons might be the best running back in the NFL right now when you got Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor not playing, and also Saquon Barkley not playing. So Bijan's the top running back to me right now that's healthy. And he's gone to the NFL like, yeah, things were different last year. And, you know, I don't know if that goes into Sark's play calling and his script and what he likes to do and when he likes to do it. But I think that shows what we've seen these last three weeks in the running game just kind of being on a roller coaster, kind of showing spurts of looking really good and then showing times where it's fourth and one and you can't get it. Like that happened against Rice, you know, you had that weird situation that happened against Alabama where Quinn just loses the ball and thank goodness Jonathan Brooks was there to save it. If that went Alabama's way, that might have been a different game, but I digress a little bit. I, yeah, I just want to see the running game. You talk about you want to see Quinn, you know, and start getting into a rhythm. I don't give a damn. I'd rather not. If if it means running the football, you talk about C.J. Baxter, how you're really excited that he's back. You said really, really excited today. Uh, Chip, how C.J. Baxter is getting back and how he had one of his best practices. Okay, show us that. Reward him for that. If he's doing that, reward him. Because remember, last year against Baylor, how many times Quinn Ewers get sacked? Five times. He got sacked five times because this offensive line was very confused with what Dave Aranda and this defense was doing to him. Now, they don't have those, you know, they don't have the Jimmy and Joes that they did last year on this current team for Baylor, but they're still going to do that stuff. They're still going to take those defensive ends and it looks like they're going to rush the quarterback and they're going to drop back in the coverage while they rush, you know, their star position guys and their linebackers like that stuff. It could get, it could be confusing if you're not communicating, if you're not locked in. So this is a huge week for Kyle Flood and this offensive line, especially with DJ Campbell. You're the man. Cole Hudson, he's going to be out for a little bit. Like, you're the man now. Ain't, you don't got to look to that sideline no more and think that, oh, big man's going to come in and I'm going to get a blow. Nope. That's over with. In conference play now. You are the man. So they're going to ride you. And, hey, we saw against Alabama, yo, DJ Campbell was a man. So just like a lot of young inexperienced offensive linemen, they could get confused on what the defensive throws them just because they haven't seen it before or again, they're just new to it. But you got to trust this run game. You really do. And if they do that, if they get those positive yards early on first downs and don't have those false start penalties and stuff, then that will open the pass game. But Sark just has to be patient instead of doing those three and out where we only see the ball going through the air. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how many times he throws on first down against Baylor because that's he's been doing that and that's look I like that there's confidence 
and it definitely keeps the the defense guessing. And look, when you have a quarterback like Quinn Ewers and receivers like Worthy and Mitchell and JT Sanders, you should be able to throw it on first down with success. But if you're throwing deep and you're missing and you're second and 10, man, and you get into a pass, pass, pass situation and it's not working, that's three and out and momentum shift on the road. That's a different animal. It's a different animal. But look, Sarkeesian is looking at this team saying, you just went into Alabama and won. So there's nothing you can't handle. And not Baylor and their piped in sound. That's not gonna, that's not gonna mess with you. So just get into a rhythm and go. And we just haven't seen it. We saw it against Alabama. We haven't seen it. We didn't see it early against Rice. We didn't see it early against Wyoming. And that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see Saturday. That's what I, yeah. that's what I want to see Saturday night. Yeah, you can't be afraid to change things up during the game. Like, I get it, Sark. You probably are up all night, pulling an all-nighter, trying to make that script for whoever you're playing, and it's probably deflating when it's not working. Like, it's probably very frustrating because it's like homework. It's like taking notes. You do a lot putting that script together. So when a team who is ready for it, when it doesn't match up, do you have enough pride to say, damn, as good of a play caller as I am, I I missed. I missed. On this first drive, I missed, especially when it's three and out. And your quarterback, A.J. Milwee, everybody that's involved, they need to come back and let Sark know, let everybody know, hey, they're doing this when we thought they were going to do that. Like I talked about yesterday, like it's very simple. I know in college, it's not like the NFL where you got guys like Aaron Rodgers and some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time that just change up, you know, the formation and change up the play because they see it. Like, I don't know if Quinn Ewers is there yet. You would like for him to be in year two, year one. Whatever was called, whatever Sark called, that's what we were running. But year two, that's something that Quinn Ewers needs to work on, seeing what the defense gives you before you snap the ball. Because, again, you could be putting tackle for loss situations where you don't have to be. Like, oh, man, they're this quick out. They're pressing up on our, uh, uh, our wide receivers. Maybe this quick, you know, quick pass out, which is kind of like a pass for a run type play. Maybe we shouldn't do that. But I only see three up here, and they got eight guys possibly dropping back. Let's switch to a run play. Like, just things like that that sound yeah. very Where's small. That? Where's that? I, there's. We talked about this at the beginning of the season, that when you have a quarterback and a play caller who are in sync – they start to finish each other's sentences. They start to be able to, you know, feel those changes, those audibles, those checks. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to some seamlessness because, you know, I started to look at it last night. I started to look at where was James Brown after 13 games? Where was Colt McCoy, where's Major Applewhite after 13 games? Where's Vince? And then I was like, no, this is, no. 
let's let's just let's just zero in on Sark and Quinn because like what grade would you give Quinn through the non-conference? Um, I'll give him a B. Yeah. I give him a B because he was fantastic against Alabama. Not in sync early against Rice, not in sync early against Wyoming. Maybe even a B plus for not turning over the ball at all. Eight, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, but yeah, 31, that should have been a pick against Wyoming. Come on, bro. That should have been a pick. Right. So but for that one, yeah, B. And he's what 30, he's 29th in pass efficiency. He's 87th according to Pro Football Focus. 87th? Like Caleb Williams is number one. Damn. So he's got a long way to go. Like we need to stop talking about him as a first round pick. We need to start talking about him as can can Quinn get this offense going? Can he make the right reads? Can he see the defense before pre-snap? What is he seeing? Someone told me he was smelling an ammonia pad. Yo, like, what was that? He was sniffing the hell out of that before the game. I was like, what? I Thank you for breaking that up. That completely just, I don't know why I erased that from my mind, probably because it was 10-10 going in the fourth quarter, and I was like, okay, what the hell's going on? But, yo, he was sniffing something that, um, <laughs> I don't know. It was it was weird. I didn't see weird. I didn't see it, but yeah. someone, texted, someone texted me and said he was sniffing an ammonia pad going into the fourth quarter. <laughs> no, I, I ain't see it in the fourth. I saw it in the first. Okay, I saw first it in quarter. the first quarter, like before they went on for their first drive. He was sniffing something, and I'm like, what the hell is that? Because the only time I've really seen that is like the uh, smelling salt. When you get knocked out, old school they try to wake you up, so they put it across you, or you need that rush or something. Yeah, that was a weird, weird thing. It's just to clear your head. Okay. All right. Okay, All right. DG. Well, well, whatever it takes, an ammonia pad, maybe we need to strengthen the ammonia pad. I'm not sure. But I want to see him get into that into that flow where it's and, – and I know people are going to say, wait, you know, James Brown had bad games. Major had bad games. I, I get it. I got that. Colt had bad games in 07. I get it. But, you know, that's we just need to slow the roll on the whole Quinn Ewers is a first-round pick next year. Let's see him go on the road again and give us a show like he did against Bama. Yeah. The great quarterbacks, you know, because I've had people say Quinn Ewers is Jeff George. Okay, you don't want that. I've heard people say Quinn Ewers is Jay Cutler. You don't want that. Like mm. Jay Cutler, bad mechanics, trusted his arm, threw off platform, threw without stepping into passes. I mean, he stepped into some, don't get me wrong, but he his mechanics were all over the place. Yeah. And, you know. He was just a grady dick, too. 
Like, Jay Cutler was just a huge a-hole, man. And, you know, off the field, definitely be like Jay Cutler. I don't know if you watched Laguna Beach like I did growing up with them high school girls when they were living up in Laguna Beach and going to high, uh, going to high school and having it, you know, filmed on MTV. That's where his ex-wife came from, man. You know, Kristen Cavallari. Cavallari. Yeah, man, she looked good. So Jay Cutler, he ain't doing everything wrong, but I, I feel you, Chip. I, I, I think she that. dumped him though yeah 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 it makes sense she thought she was getting that all-american quarterback and she realized wow this guy he might not be the most fun to hang around so yeah but wish them both the best they got kids and stuff um yeah i you know there's been drops too it's so easy to blame right. Quinn Ewers for a lot. Right. There's been drops, but it's not like Quinn Ewers is putting it right on the money. It's not like it's between the numbers. I mean, Jordan Whittington, you throw it behind him on one pass. Uh, Adonai Mitchell, you threw behind him on another pass. You know, so there's been some just weird drops and just not putting the ball on the money. And yeah, can't get back to those old habits. Like we saw too many of those old habits against Wyoming that we saw way too much in 2022 going off the back leg just sailing guys over their head and stuff when they're wide ass open you know that's just you gotta get it together just gotta be more tight and the pressure's on like this is a tough situation you're in you're expected to win every game you're number three in the nation like again a lot of horns fans they haven't seen this before especially the ones that are now on campus so which that's crazy to me like a lot of these kids that are now on campus they weren't even alive when VY was going in the quarter of the end zone in the Rose Bowl. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you for this Texas football team. And you got to have those leaders step up, and, uh, including Quinn Ewers. And if they do that, led by this defense, which is first in efficiency, then I think this offense, especially against Baylor, they'll figure it out and they'll get rolling. All right. Well, let's... Uh... Let's bring in our SEC insider and prognosticator, the one and only Lance Taylor. The Lance Taylor on Twitter, but Lance'sLock.com where you go for the picks. So when do you sleep, Lance? Are you like, as soon as you get off the air, of course, Lance is part of this. I mean, he's doing what we're doing, but he's doing it like kind of on steroids. They're at next round live. Um, now you've got, you know, you're, you're, are, do you have a team putting the picks together? Or is it just you? No, it's, it's just, I don't, I don't let anybody mess with my picks. Though, those are my baby. Um, but as far as the other stuff, it's fun because, you know, we're doing the nine to 12 central time show, but around there, we're doing so much other stuff. Like yesterday, I recorded three different podcasts after the nine to 12 show. Then I hosted a trivia night. I do it every Wednesday night. Tonight, I've got Bud Light Game Night, where we do a live show out um, at a different bar around town. We do a Monday night show. We do a Saturday pre-morning, uh, pre-game show at 9 o'clock. We do a post-game show, just depending on what time uh, games end. And uh, the only thing I don't like about it is football season flies by anyway. But when you're doing that much stuff and it's like nonstop, it really flies by. And I just want it to slow down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. It's crazy that we're in week four already. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah. But we got good football this week, man. It was it was crap football last week. We we got some very exciting games. Uh, we had another winning day on Saturday at Lance's Lock. Believe it or not, the NFL, seven 
two and one last weekend. So we're rolling. Lanceslock.com. We got a free play. I'll throw it out there right now for your listeners tonight. It seems easy. I've got the 49ers. I just couldn't play this Giants team. Uh, as banged up as they are, the entire left side of that line is out. No Saquon Barkley, Chris Jones back in the lineup, or excuse me, uh, Nick Bosa back with that big contract. Um, you look at the way Drake Jackson's been playing. This 49ers team is the real deal. I think you lay it. I don't think you sweat it. Then I've got a winner on the Georgia State-Coastal Carolina game, which you can get at lanceslock.com right now. But love Saturday's board. We're going to crush it for you. We've got great deals out there. Try us out. Nice. All right, Lance, let's get into week four, baby. I mean, Ole Miss, Alabama, it was a weird scene in, you know, Alabama last week with USF and just all the quarterback drama. And now Jalen Milrow, which, in my opinion, he should have been that guy this whole time. But, hey, it seemed like Saban had to try out those other two guys. What do you think about this game? Saban going up against Kiffin, former assistant. How do you think it's going to turn out? 10 of 23 for 107 yards. That wasn't good, football, Zay. <laughs> Against, by the way, a Bulls team that gave up 41 to Western Kentucky. That was a complete embarrassment. From what I hear, though, uh, there was talks during practice early in the week that Tyler Buckner was going to play. Jalen Milrow did not respond well. Um, the, the adjective that I heard was pouting throughout the week. And I think Nick Saban wanted to make a point. We're not going to play you if you want this to be your team. And I think they liked the way that he responded on the sideline. You saw him cheering. He was getting his teammates up. And now it's going to be his team. And they don't have an option. Like, if you want to win football right now, you're not winning with Buckner. You're not winning with Simpson. You're only going to be able to win with Jalen Milrow. And we'll see Tommy Reese. You guys saw the Texas game. There wasn't a lot of design runs. The offensive line is not good. They've given up 13 sacks in three games, including 10 sacks in the last two games. If you want to keep the guy upright, if you want to – have any semblance of a passing game he's got to have some design runs to at least get those safeties honest and we'll see what happens this week look Ole Miss is good I don't know how good they are they struggled early on against Tulane in the backup quarterback when Michael Pratt wasn't playing I told everybody lay it it's up to 13 don't worry about it Ole Miss ended up covering that game in the fourth quarter because they scored 24th quarter points I like Jackson Dart I'm still not sold on the Ole Miss defense, Quinchon Judkins, as good as he is running the football, he had 135 yards and two touchdowns against Bama last year, but he's like a shell of himself right now. And people think he's got kind of a rib injury. He's not 100%. Biggest story of this game, though, guys, is I go back to 2020. Lane Kiffin, and they scored right there with Alabama. Alabama ended up pulling away double digits late in the fourth quarter. But in the fourth quarter, that game was tied. We go back two years ago, Lane Kiffin poked the cage. They got completely dominated. Get your popcorn ready. Didn't work out. Last year, Lane Kiffin wasn't talking as much, and that game was tied in the fourth quarter. And if it wasn't for Bryce Young and his heroics, they would have lost that game. But now here you come. Lane Kiffin wants to take those shots. Who's calling the defensive plays? Um, you know, a lot of people believed he had that, that planted question where he could double down on Nick Saban. And I don't know why he takes it out because he might have a team that is just as good or better than Nick Saban's team. And Saban's team is staggered right now and why you would want to go out there and chirp. And now he's got a tweet from his dog talking about 
How are you going to beat this Saban team? They've got 18 five-star guys. You've only got one. I mean, I don't know why you poke the cage on the greatest of all time because that is – I don't know if you guys watch Game of Thrones. I gave this analogy earlier this week. One of the, the best episodes ever was the, Vi uh, or the Viper versus Mountain. And nobody thought the mountain could be beat. Viper gets out there. He's talking smack the entire time. Are we on Terrestrial Radio or Podcast? We're, we're okay. on YouTube. Okay. So I can go with whatever, right? Yeah, you can go with whatever. So Viper is talking shit nonstop to the mountain. And he puts him down and he can kill him, but he won't see a mountain. And I, have you guys watched Game of Thrones? Yeah. Yeah. So remember, yeah. He, just, he, he is just talking shit over the mountain. He could have could have put him away, could have killed him. And then what happens? Viper gets his head exploded. And this is Lane Kiffin to me. Why talk it? Why not just go out there, let your players do what they're going to do? You're, you've got the advantage at quarterback. I think you've got the advantage of the defensive line over Alabama's offensive line. But because you've got this extra motivation, I think Alabama's going to roll them now. Yeah. Wow. Yo, Lance, they need to call Peter on Kiffin's dog, man. Something ain't right there. Yeah, that dog's <laughs> around too much, and you know Lane's just out of control. Somebody need to call Peter on that damn dog, because that ain't right, man. That beautiful golden. Okay, dog. I shouldn't even I shouldn't even ask you this, Lance, but I I heard this casually when I was up in T-Town in like 2016. Was there something going on with with Lane Kiffin and Saban's daughter? No, I think that was one of those. Look, Kiffin was having fun. I don't think there's any doubt. I think that's one of those that got embellished. I think because Kiffin was having fun, and look, he's a single guy. You know, there right. are things you've got to be able Yeah, there's things you got Joy Freshwater. And I thought one of the – so we've got uh, Emily Grace. She's one of our, our – she's our newest employee. Does a great job. She graduated from uh, – from Georgia Southern, and she was a sideline reporter on all the ESPN Plus games. And so we had somebody turn her on to us, and it's just, it's been awesome. But she was on the teleconference yesterday, and I was trying to get her to ask, did Joey Freshwater get left in Tuscaloosa, or does he travel to Oxford? Now, that probably wasn't a fair question for her to ask, but back to your original question, I don't think there was anything between Lane and Saban's daughter. I think that's one of those things that got embellished. I think he was having fun. Um, I don't necessarily think some people liked the fun he was having. And uh, that that was a divorce that was not, uh, we'll call it amicable. That, okay. that divorce was not was not great. And although I think Saban respects Nick, uh, Lane Kiffin, and I think Lane Kiffin obviously respects Saban, um, Lane Kiffin really, really wants to beat Saban. And we, we talked about this on the next round. He hates the fact that Jim, Jimbo was able to do it. Kirby's able to do it. Now Steve Sarkeesian's been able to do it. And that was one of those stats for years. Saban, 16-0, 18-0 against these former assistants. Kiffin wanted to be the first. He's yet to do it. It's a very important game for him. And uh, we'll see what happens Saturday. Ole Miss wins. I'm not going to be shocked. I lean Alabama wins this game by 10 to 14 points. Okay. All right. I got a couple for you that sort of – come back to the Big 12. Last week, BYU went to Arkansas and beat the Razorbacks. And I didn't get to see this game, but do you come away thinking new things about BYU or new things about Arkansas? Uh, a combination of both. Look, I've always said that BYU, they love to play for their coach. They love Kalani Sataki. 
Keaton Slovis, I'm a USC guy, fight on. He was really good that redshirt freshman year. Since then, when he got out of the air raid, he hasn't been good. He wasn't good at Pitt, wasn't good early on against uh, our four BYU, even in their two wins. But he played well, especially in the second half. He played clean football. He didn't turn the football over. And then you look at Arkansas. They didn't play clean. Two turnovers, 14 penalties. Um, you know, it, to me, I think BYU was solid. I think they get a wake-up in Lawrence this week with one of the more underrated teams in college football and definitely one of the more underrated players and quarterback Jalen Daniels. Uh, Arkansas, when they get Rocket Sanders back, they're going to become more whole and they've got more balance on that offense. Without Rocket Sanders, they've struggled a little bit. So I give BYU credit for being able to come back from 14 down on the road. Um, and I think BYU is going to be solid in the Big 12 this year. Uh, and I think Arkansas is about seven wins again. So you like you like Kansas minus eight and a half? Yes, I do. Okay. I, I just don't know. You know, BYU, BYU gave up. 31 to Arkansas and without Rocket Sanders, arguably their best player. Now you've got to turn around after that emotional high of winning in Fayetteville. Now you got to go to Lawrence, which I think will be a sleepy good atmosphere. They're 3-0. Lance Leopold has done a great job of that program. And again, you guys have seen Jalen Daniels. That guy can ball. Yeah. What about, okay, so Missouri, I mean, Jesus, Drinkowitz tried to screw it up at the end. Oh, my God. You I mean, cannot – Clock management couldn't have been any worse. Ugh. I mean, all of us sitting on our couch, and I think by that point I was on, like, Stella number three or four. But I'm like, <laughs> this is where you let clock run. This is where you call timeout. I mean, it was it was so simple. And then for him to be able to get away with that, I thought for sure Mevis would miss the field goal because you can't, you can't trust a college kicker inside of 35. Dude bombs a 61-yarder. They walk it off. Um, I was blown away. Kansas State's a better team. Will Howard getting hurt late in that game, I think it affected the offense, and I think that was ultimately the difference. I'll give Missouri credit. Sadly, that is the best out-of-conference win the SEC has had up and to date. Um, but, hey, look, good win for for Coach Drink, and uh, he got away with it. I'll just be interested to see Luther Burden third was the best player on the field. Does he hang around Missouri for another year, or does he take a – seven-figure payout and go to a perennial power. Yeah. Well, my preseason Big 12 upset of the year was Central Florida over K-State. You missed it by a week. <laughs> right. So now I'm screwed because K-State gets knocked off by Missouri on the 61-yarder. They're coming home, but they lost Daniel Green. Will Howard's banged up. Treshawn Ward is banged up. Central Florida's got these crazy good numbers. They're running it. They're, they're averaging 299 yards rushing per game. I like the backup quarterback, uh, Timmy McClain, better than I like John Rice Plumley. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, Timmy McClain, this will be a different spot. And, and Zay, I don't know if you've been there. I've never been there. I've been through it. Chip, you probably have been to Manhattan, to Bill Snyder, uh, uh, family-friendly stadium, whatever they call it. But I've heard that's one of those weird places to play and, like, magical things happen there. And that's a place where they completely dominated Missouri. Then they turn around, they go to Columbia, they lose the game. I think it's going to be really difficult. Chris Kleiman seems like one of these guys that will be able to get his guys rallied. And I think they'll go out, they'll beat Central Florida. Boy, it would be uh, a complete 180 of what K-State thought they had rolling this season if they're to lose back-to-back -back games to Missouri and Central Florida this early in the season. Yeah, Glad did you gonna, expect? Sorry, go ahead. 
Lance, you expect the Big 12 to be this bad? I mean, before the season, Chip and I, we were talking about Texas Tech maybe being scary, and that doesn't seem like a thing. They went 0-2 before they got their first win last week. Obviously, Baylor hasn't looked good, losing to Texas State, who the Horns have, and just a lot of teams that you would thought would be undefeated at this point are not. Are you surprised of what the Big 12 shown us? Yeah, I mean, a little early on, because Texas Tech, they blew that 17-point lead against Wyoming. They blew the lead against Oregon. Texas Tech's good. I think they go to Morgantown. I don't think they have a problem with the Mountaineers coming off an emotional backyard brawl win over Pittsburgh. So I still think they're good, although there's not much they can do now with two losses in September. I still think Kansas State's really good. Um, I think Kansas is good. Texas is obviously good. I think Oklahoma is much improved from what we saw last year. A couple of things. The defense seems to be really improved under Venables. And Dylan Gabriel is playing like the Dylan Gabriel we saw four years ago. So I, I still think the Big 12 has got some teams. Um, and we'll see how this thing plays out. I'll tell you what. That Tech-West Virginia game is fascinating to me because Neil Brown's had that game circled for since he got picked last at Big 12 Media Days. And he was so pissed. I mean, that dude was like, we are not finishing last. You know, these are the same idiots who picked TCU seventh and TCU went to the national title game. We're not finishing last. So I'm I'm watching that game carefully because Tyler Shuck is not the answer. I'd be playing Baron Morton over Tyler Shuck. I think sooner or later, I mean, you saw the turnovers and how exposed he was. I mean, he's one of those guys that can put up numbers. And this is what Alabama's afraid of, Jalen Milrow, not to bring it back to Bama, but it's either feast or famine, and I see a little bit of that with Chuck. And, you know, when you're playing games that are virtually a pick and Texas Tech's six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Morgantown, you, you know, you're minus two in turnovers, you lose a game. So I think you do have to get better ball security there. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Joey McGuire does make that switch. But I do like Texas Tech a lot this week. Okay. Yeah. A game that wasn't on my radar before the season, but obviously is this week, Oregon State, Washington State. Dickert's done a really good job up there, and they sling it around, and they play good football in the Pacific Northwest. And DJU coming from Clemson, we didn't know how he was going to be, but it seems like he's found a home, and he's kind of getting into a rhythm. Who are you like in this game? Well, you know, Oregon State, Jonathan Smith's one of my favorite coaches. And I always said that he's going to stay at his alma mater. He loves it. It's a good way, good good pace of life for him in Corvallis. But now that they're one of the – and this is, by the way, the the outsider bowl or the um, disrespected bowl, however you want to call it. I mean, it's two – Pack two. Yeah, the pack two on an island by themselves, and both are ranked, both are top 25 teams. But I love Jonathan Smith, what he's been able to do with this program. He's got a great culture. It really just depends if DJ turns the football over or not. If he's efficient with Damian Martinez running the football against a, a, behind a really good offensive line and one of the best defenses in the Pac-12, I like Oregon State here. On the other side, though, uh, I was talking to Fox's Brock Heward yesterday, and he was a Washington Husky, but he said he's got a ton of Washington State fans. And he said the Wazoo fans are taking a lot of pride in this season because they felt like an outcast. He said the atmosphere will be electric. We saw that a couple of weeks ago against Wisconsin. And Cam Ward, third right now in passing yards per game, just behind Shadur Sanders and Michael Penix Jr. So Cam Ward, the former incarnate word product, is playing great ball right now. So 
Uh, I think it's going to be a tremendous game. Oregon State's a two-and-a-half-point favorite right here. I don't have a play on this game, but I'm looking forward to it because uh, everybody talked about USC. They talked about Washington. They talked about Utah. They talked about Oregon. Nobody talked about Oregon State or Washington State, and now you got two teams that are undefeated, you know, in the top 25 playing for, for respect. Yeah, they got big-time quarterback play in that league right now. They got eight quarterbacks in the top Insane. 30 pass efficiency. Hey, they've got eight quarterbacks that would start at Bama right now. <laughs> you think about yeah. Bama went from Jalen Hurts to Tua Tagovailoa to Mac Jones to Bryce Young, and now they have shit. And you've got eight guys in the SEC that would actually – or eight quarterbacks in the Pac-12 who SEC fans have dogged out forever. I love Pac-12 after dark. I'm going to miss the conference, love staying up on the couch till one in the morning, watching all that excitement, and to have that many quarterbacks that actually can start, not only for Alabama, for Auburn, Missouri, Kentucky. I mean, go around the SEC, Mississippi State. I mean, the best quarterback in the SEC right now might be a cast off from the Pac-12 and Jackson Dart. Well, Sawyer Robertson, former— the answer. I mean, that's why—I got a buddy who's— telling me he's going to bet $33,000 on Texas to cover. Yeah, the I'm only like, thing I would tell him about that is I backed Texas last week. Again, we had a winning Saturday. Texas didn't get there. It looks like they didn't even wake up until the fourth quarter. And I had somebody questioning yesterday whether Quinn Ewers is one of these guys that only gets up for the big games. And you guys cover him, so you would know more than we would. But you just wonder if they come out flat again against Baylor, knowing that – you know, this Baylor team is terrible against the run right now. They're giving up 170 yards per game. Sawyer Robertson's a quarterback. They have no explosive plays. He's not going to beat you up top. You know, watching him against Utah, I mean, it was just awful. And I just wonder how Quinn Ewers is going to play. So I guess my point there is your guys got balls for laying the 14 and a half. If I was going to play it, I would play Texas. But I don't know if Texas comes out inspired or not. I right. thought this was going to be the season after the Bama game. And I thought you would see it against Wyoming. They would play hard 60 minutes a game moving forward. I agree. And it it didn't happen. And now I agree with you. I don't know what Texas team's going to show up Saturday night. But Florida State. Hey, by the way, tell him to put that money on Oregon. Tell him to put that money on Oregon. Dion put on a show again. It was fun to watch. I was up to 115. I was totally entertained. I loved it going to overtime and double overtime. But this is when the magic runs out. And I personally, the team total for Oregon, which you can play anything, everywhere, any time of day now with all these websites. But the team total is 45 and a half for Oregon. Play the over. Oregon scores 60 plus points in this game. Damn. 60 wins? 60. Wow. 60. Oregon is yet to turn the football over. And this will be the first time Colorado has seen speed. And Oregon's got speed all over the place. They've obviously got a veteran quarterback in Bo Nix. And, uh, boy, I think they will light up Colorado's ass. Okay. Over. You like the over. Well, I like I like Colorado – or I like Oregon minus 21, but I also like Oregon team total over 45 and a half. I think it's, the game's like 63 to 28. Okay. Well, Florida State at Clemson, Lance – what do you think about this one? Uh, it gets a little more interesting. Um, Will Shipley, for whatever reason, is not being utilized. We thought Garrett Riley coming in and taking over this offense, it was going to be night and day. It's not. 
Now, Cade Klubnick didn't turn the football over last week, so that's a positive. They haven't lost to Florida State at home since 2013. We remember that Florida State team with Jameis Winston winning a national championship. There's just something off about Clemson right now. And the sad thing is there's three games out there that are like that this week. Florida State and Clemson, which I'll come back to, Alabama, Ole Miss, and Ohio State, Notre Dame, where there are coaches for teams that have been to college football playoffs more than any other programs in Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. Basically, your season can be ruined this weekend against really good competition. Florida State had the 21-point lead. They almost blew it. If it wasn't for 18 penalties from Boston College, they probably do lose that game, but they survived. Florida State is a better roster than Clemson now. They've got a much better quarterback. They're well coached. Um, with all that said, you guys know I love going against the public. Everybody is on Florida State in the spot minus two and a half. I'll probably stay away from the game, but if Will Shipley can play well and they can win the turnover battle, I think Clemson's got an outstanding shot of winning this game. But if they don't, the narrative is going to be Dabo is done. The dynasty is over, and Clemson's never going to win another national championship. Boom. Wow. Well, he is not. Dabo's got to adapt. Um, you think he's going to tweak anything doing that look, dead sprint, Lance? Look, hey, look I said this before. Zay, if, if I had Clemson plus the points, and it came down to you can win this game for your subscribers, or Dabo can trip and roll down the hill. I would like to see Dabo trip and roll down the hill. I don't know why it's all about Dabo now running and sprinting down that hill. Looks like a complete dumbass doing it, in my opinion. I know there's some Clemson fans that absolutely love that. But Dabo, I know what you're going to say, Chip. He's got to get out there and say, we need NIL money. We've got to embrace the culture that college football is. If you don't want it, go to the NFL, retire. you got plenty of money. But if you're not going to embrace NIL, it's not going away. These kids are going to get paid. We had Jeff Collins in studio with us yesterday, the former Temple and Georgia Tech coach, and he said the first question recruits ask now is not about playing time. It's not about getting to the NFL. It's about how much NIL am I getting, and that's just where we are right now. Mm. What about uh, any other college games got your your attention before we jump to the Penn NFL? Penn State, Iowa, Lance. Uh, Penn State. So – I'm going to ask you guys a trivia question. There is one team, the longest streak right now in the FBS with a team scoring 30 plus. Do you know who holds that? Penn State? It is Penn State. The longest win streak right now in the Big Ten. Penn State, eight consecutive wins. Iowa can't score points. Now, I backed them last weekend. Big second half for Brian Ferentz in route to trying to keep that contract. That was against Western Michigan. Against Penn State, I think it's totally different. I like uh, Penn State minus the 14 and a half here. And the other one, I like Ohio State a lot. I love Sam Hartman. They've got the better quarterback. I thought Kyle McCord built some confidence last week against Western Kentucky. We had Ohio State. Ohio State's receivers too much. And Travion Henderson playing incredible football right now. Aldrick Estime on the other side for Notre Dame has been running the football great as well. They can limit Estime, make Hartman make all the plays. I like Ohio State in this one. All right, NFL, um, my Lions against Bijan Robinson. You got any feel for this one? Yeah, look, your, your Lions lost a tough one. We did back Seattle in route to our 7-2-1 last week. Seattle got the outright win. 
the defense isn't there right now for Detroit. We saw that last year. You're going to be able to outscore opponents. Desmond Ritter on the road now. He had two home games against Carolina. They're anemic offensively. They win that game. I was impressed with the comeback against Green Bay, but I still don't trust Ritter. Jerry Goff's a much better quarterback. I think Detroit bounces back and gives Atlanta their first loss. How much trouble are the Cincinnati Bengals in right now, being 0-2 and, and Joe Burrow not looking like he'll be healthy anytime soon? Well, Zay, I'm the self-proclaimed biggest Rams fan on the planet. So I personally think Zach Taylor should sit Joe Burrow at least one week. Let Jake Browning, the former Washington product, come in and play that game. Let the Rams win that game and then focus on the season at 0-3. But realistically, Burrow is probably going to have to fight through this because he took time off in the preseason. Didn't work. I don't think he's going to be 100%. Uh, they were closer last week. They lose a three-point game to the Ravens, which we backed the Ravens getting the points. Uh, again, 7-2-1, Lance'sLock.com. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. You know, rematch of the Super Bowl we saw a couple of uh, years ago. The Rams are much improved. If their offensive line holds up, I think the Rams are going to be a difficult out. But sooner or later, Cincinnati's got to bust through. Joe Burrow is one of the top two or three quarterbacks in all of football. He's just a little banged up right now. And remember, Cincinnati was 0-2 last year, and they completely turned it around. Are you buying the Cowboys? I am buying the Cowboys, but it was the Giants, and it was – a Zach Wilson Jets team. So, you know, the competition is going to step up. But, I mean, I don't see a weakness right now with the Cowboys. Dak doesn't turn the football over with that defense. My God. But, you know, the Cowboys, everybody talked about the AFC. You look at the NFC now. The Cowboys, the 49ers, and the Eagles sooner or later are going to get back the swagger that they had last year. Yeah. Yeah. Lance, any upset alerts this week? Oh, just Clemson. Hold tight. Uh, Yeah, you know, but that's only two and a half. I'd like to give you guys something with a little more meat on it. Um, But I don't see anything. I think it's just a good old-fashioned, good week four football, and I will have a lot of winners out there. So Lance's lock.com. Come. And I like Texas A&M. This number would be 14 if A&M didn't look as bad as they did the last three quarters against Miami. I still think A&M is a really good team. Auburn is yet to play anybody. If you guys stayed up and watched that disgusting game, some of the worst offensive football we've seen since last week, Alabama and South Florida, against Cal, Auburn turned it over four times. They turned it over three times last week. If Auburn can't protect the football, they are going to get run out of Kyle Yeah. I like the graphic that they put up, though, with the Tiger putting his arm in the Kyle Field, the giant Tiger. That's very catchy of them. I, yeah, I like what they're doing on social media. Paul's going to get cut off. They turn the football over. <laughs> Man, if DJ Durkin could coach defense, A&M would be a juggernaut. They oh, missed, my God. They I mean, Mike bring, Elko. Yeah, bring Elko back. Say, I don't know what you're getting at, Duke. Let's just bring Elko back. You get Petrino, Elko, tell Jimbo, go old school, Bobby Bowden, your former boss, go take a nap for three hours. These two dudes will handle it with all the talent that you recruited them. Yeah. Lance, Lance'sLock.com for the picks. You got, uh, tell tell the, tell the folks what you got. You got packages. Yeah, so we're, yeah we're in year nine. Uh, we've only had one losing year. We're already winning this year. We won in college football last week. We were 7-2-1 and one in the NFL. We win for you. You can get on daily packages. Uh, weekly packages, monthly, annual. We will win for you. 
Uh, again, last year in college football, 57%, which is an incredible percentage. If you gamble, you know that. 58% in the NFL. Just give us a try. Lance'sLog.com. Last weekend, the board was awful. And you see this blowout with Ohio State. But if you're laying a huge number with us at Lance'sLog.com, you're, you're still engaged. You're having fun with Ohio State beating the brakes off of the Hilltoppers. So if you want to be engaged, you want to have fun, you want to win money, Lance'sLog.com. I love it. Lance, yes. you're the best. Let's do it again next week. See you, boys. Enjoy the football weekend. Thanks, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You too. All right. There he is, Lance Taylor. Lance's lock.com. Um, all right. Before we uh get into anything else, let's uh let's let's make sure that you know where to go to get your big screen TV, your surround sound, your surveillance, your electronic shades, audiovisual consultations. Here's the great thing. Tom McKay and his crew at Audiovisual Consultations, they're gonna beat any price that you find on a big screen TV. So don't go buy that. Just call 255-8678, 512-255-8678. Tom and his crew will bring everything to you. They'll, they'll bring you A, the best price on any big screen that you want. And then they're gonna install everything. They're gonna make it so clean. You're gonna be like, wow, how do you do it? And you're going to love it. And you're going to feel like you're at the game because you deserve that. I mean, if you're listening to us, then you love the big screen and feeling like you're on the sideline. And that's the way it should be during football season. And you want that surround sound. So just make the phone call to 255-8678. Audio visual consultations, avconsultations.com. Tell them Texas Sports Unfiltered sent you. Yeah, man, we're giving that 75-incher as one of the prizes for the 5,000 subscribers, man. Shout out to Tom McKay and AV Consultations. It's big time. That is big time. 75-inch. 75. Big screen. I'm like, we need to save some of these prizes for when we get to 10,000 subscribers. I know. We... <laughs> which we obviously we, we can't go into certain details but our texas sports unfiltered text thread is ridiculous man <laughs> it's just oh, yeah it's great we got some characters in this crew and rodney rodriguez man you're hilarious salute to you and chaos theory with wags wags man wearing the wagner wire shirt representing baby always representing the homies shouting out the homies man it's my dude we're two and zero in fantasy wags, so you'd be proud. Two and zero, feeling good, Chip. Feeling good, man. Yeah, feeling good. Let's go. That's what it's about. About to go in. I got the 49ers defense tonight against no Saquon and that New York Giants offense. Bring it on, bring it on. I love it. That's got to be good for 14 points right there. Oh well, our defense means a lot just because, like, it should with how hard it is to play defense now. Like, our defensive points, like, sacks are probably, you know, times two the average points that you get and interceptions are times two. And, like, I think touchdowns might be, like, 14 itself. So, yeah, we make a huge emphasis on defense just because it's pretty important. And our league's different. The league with my uh, childhood friends, high school friends, it's, it's a fun league. So, yeah, I'm excited about 
the, the game tonight. Like I drafted my defense real early, way earlier than you're supposed to draft a defense. Interesting. Just because it's worth a lot. You know, and 49ers, man, there's some dogs that are absolutely rabid on that squad. And Nick Bosa and Greenlaw and Fred Warner and Hufunga and Ward. Man, that defense is good. Man. Yeah, so. That's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, so how about Lance saying put it all on Oregon? Yeah, I mean, they're beating up. Like, Shadur Sanders, he can't be 100%. Some of the shots that he took against Colorado State, and, you know, I know he talks a good game and stuff, but, yo, those Buffalo, they're beating up, man. And Oregon, this is different. This is different. And just everybody wants to beat them. As much as we're talking about them and stuff like that, Oregon's probably like, man, we ain't getting no respect here. Dion's on TV every other day. They were on the podcast together with Tom Brady, chucking it up, talking about Rolls Royces and stuff. And Tom Brady trying to be that, you know, role model guy. Says, your needs to get in the, he needs to get in the video room and watch film and stuff. And just, it's a lot. It's a lot, Chip. Like, that's why they get the cheap shots that we saw on Travis Hunter. Like, people don't want to see that if you're playing them. We do. The media, we love that stuff. We eat it up. It makes our job a lot easier and more fun to talk about when we're talking about Prime. But if you're going against them, dudes, hell no. That pisses you off. I want I want a Rolls Royce calling in like Shadur Sanders. You kidding me? Okay, cool. If I'm an edge rusher, bet. I love it. I love it. Keep on talking. And yeah, I think this is the week where Dion he realizes, yo, man, losing by 20, possibly 30. Oh, yeah, you heard Lance. He's talking about them ducks putting up 60. 63, 63 to 28, Lance said. Yo, I, if that happens, then Dion. Talk about some humble pie. That's humble pie, cake, ice cream, any dessert you want. You're going to be humbled if that happens. And I think it very well could. So now I I don't I don't even call my friend, do I? For, mm, no, nah, let, let him keep riding the horns. Let him keep riding the horns, man. <laughs> let, him, let him ride the horns. Because he's a bear, isn't he? That's why it's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's why it's is, more personal. Yeah, man. Let him stay. It's a, yeah, it's a total emotional bet for him. He's wow. down on his bears. He can't stand Sawyer Robertson. He thinks that the Texas defense is just going to turn this guy over and it's going to be a wipeout, which it could be. It could be. Sawyer Robertson has not shown us any reason to believe that he's got some, some magic beans that's going to turn him into you know Caleb Williams for a night we've seen we've seen guys like Donovan Smith turn into Heisman candidates for a night against Texas <laughs> yeah I don't him, know man. yeah I mean you know they got solid receivers it's not like they have scrubs on the outside and the slot and stuff you just can't get them the ball as you mentioned Sawyer Robertson he's been struggling so much you can't get into those guys hands for them 45 percent completion rate Whew, that's tough man that's t-u-f that's awful that's, that's bad that like 60 percent is the minimum for college like if right. you are a 
good quarterback. 60% is the minimum. If you're an elite quarterback, you're over 70%. Yeah. It's weird, Chip. Like, I would think Richard Reese would be used more in their offense in their first three weeks. I mean, some games they're, you know, especially Texas State, I guess they're playing from behind most of that game. But still, like, that dude had more touchdowns on the ground than B. John Robinson last year. He led the Big 12 right. with 14 touchdowns and was Offensive Rookie of the Year as a freshman or freshman of the year, whatever that award is. But yeah, he has zero touchdowns this season. And I get it. He's a little light in the ass, about 5'9", 175 pounds. So he could get, you know, mucked up a little bit. But like, I'd give that ball, or give him the ball a lot more. And again, what a lot of these teams are going to do to Texas, they're going to try to pound the ball on the ground so this Texas offense doesn't come on the field that much. So the possessions for them are very limited. We saw against Wyoming, 38 minutes. They controlled the game, those Cowboys, opposed to Texas's 21. That's why you saw a 10-10 ball game going into the fourth quarter. So if Dave Aranda, they're going to take their time going to that line. I don't think they're going to rush at all. I think Sawyer Robinson's going to get there and be controlled, and they're going to wait till there's about three to four seconds on that clock before they snap it just because this high, you know, this Texas offense could be very high-powered when it's clicking. So, yeah, um, you know, just like we've been saying, it's a lot's on Sark and that script and how it looks and how he's being played by Dave Aranda's defense and if he can make those adjustments early in the game. Like, we can see you've made them late these last three weeks. You've made them late, and they've done a good job doing that to where last year, second half, those were just problems all over. But can you do it early? Can you do it, you know, towards the end of the first quarter or early in the second quarter. I don't know, but hopefully we could see those things in this game against the Bears Saturday night. All right. Well, everyone wanted to know what was going on with Isaiah Nair, why he didn't get in for Texas against his old team, the, the Wyoming Cowboys. And Steve Sarkeesian uh, said today that Nair is doing well from a health standpoint, but they're trying to get him to consistency. Told you. Day in, day out, consistency. Yep. So there you go, kids. Yep. I knew it. I had a feeling like the playbook and what he's supposed to know, it ain't all there for Sark to feel comfortable. It's not. Too many mistakes in practice, probably resulting in interceptions and turnovers. You can't trust that, especially when you have guys that you can trust, you know. And I would love a rotation at, for the wide receivers. I would love that. I would love guys to get a blow every once in a while and not have any drop-off when the substitutions come in. But it seems like that's not realistic at this point of the season going into week four. So... Yeah, man, like Isaiah Nayor, obviously his body's right, but he's missed a lot when he's rehabbing and stuff like that. Like, I don't know how much he's cracking down in the playbook trying to get back 100%. Who knows? Where there's other guys that are getting reps and reps and reps on a daily basis. So, yeah, he's behind in a way for Steve Sarkeesian. And then, again, Xavier Worthy, 
Adonai Mitchell, Jordan Winnington, like those guys, you can trust them right now, especially their performance that they had at Ryan Downey Stadium against Alabama. You can trust those guys. And yeah, Isaiah Nahor, he's just a step behind right now. And that's, you know, that's okay, but you wish that he was called up with the rest of the guys so he could get some clock out there. Yeah, yeah. I just, some guys, I mean, Sark said it, some guys are not practice players. Some guys are under the lights guys. And so, okay, when do you find out if they're under the lights guys? Maybe you try it early in a game and see how they do. I don't know. What do I know? I'm just a, I'm just a hack sitting here <laughs> trying to put it all together. All right, Zay, before we get to our man, Glenn Smith, former Cowboys uh, offensive assistant coach to give us his take. Um, you want to enlighten the folks on uh, Covert BK? Oh, of course, Chip. Covert BK, the Covert Auto Group, family-owned group of automotive dealerships around the greater Austin area for over 100 years. That's absolutely crazy to me. Dan and the family, they've been getting it done and hooking up these Austin nights and people of the greater Austin area for over 100 years, and they're going to keep on rolling. So visit them at Covert over at BK, 42 acres, man, and they got seven beautiful different brands that you can choose from, from Cadillac, Ram, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, GMC, and Buick. You will be hooked up at Covert Bee Cave. You can also go to the Huddle one or Ford Lincoln ones around town. There's plenty of coverts to choose from, but yeah, Covert Bee Cave. Go to covertbeecave.com for all the latest specials and inventory. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. I love it. Um, yeah, my man, uh, stretch, he's a bigger Neanderthal than I am. Like, he's like, I can't get the link to open on my laptop. I'm like, then just open the email on your phone and click the link on your phone. Yeah. Phone works just fine. Phone works just fine. Yeah. No, we'll see how long it takes for him to pop up, but he did go to Texas. So he pays attention to what's going on with the Longhorns. And he, it used to drive him crazy to watch, you know, the offense under, under, uh, Tom Herman and Charlie strong. And I think he likes what he's seeing from Sarkeesian. We will ask him, uh, as soon as he pops up here and, the Cowboys. Now, Lance, Lance is not a Cowboys buyer. I mean, look, everybody's seen this act before, but this Cowboys act might be different because of that defense. And Mike McCarthy, man, the old pot belly, he's just kind of sneaking around the chicken coop with those offensive plays and knowing how to get Dak into a rhythm. We'll see when they play the 49ers in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. That's, that's when we find out. That's when we find out. Yeah. Cause they had, Hey, 
the 49ers on the ropes in that divisional playoff game last year. If it wasn't for the Dak interceptions, they would have flown out to Philly for the NFC Championship. And clearly that didn't happen. And that's what I think they've been motivated by. You know, Stephon Gilmore, I think he's been huge already, already having one interception in that New York game. And yeah, him and Diggs, they're an absolute problem. Both of those guys, Pro Bowl, cornerbacks, and then number 11, just he might be the best in the game and talk about motivation like oh nick bosa you got that okay cool let me show y'all what an edge rusher looks like because that guy's getting that then what what do i deserve you know what i'm saying so yeah you're right chip that defense they're different and i know the cowboys 2022 12 win season 2021 12 win season so what's going to separate them the defense and Dak Prescott taking care of the ball and the Texas Coast offense under Mike McCarthy, that might be it for them to get over the hump. Like, I think they're better than the Eagles. I, I do. I think the Eagles, I mean, even though Jalen Carter is an absolute monster and right now looks like the defensive rookie of the year, he's definitely a problem. I some about Jalen Hurts coming into this year with Shane Steichen at in uh, uh, Indianapolis. I think that's going to catch up with them. 49ers, I don't know. Again, that game's going to say a lot, but that's that's the team if I'm the Cowboys I'm scared of more than Philly this season but you know it's the Eagles they won in the division last year it seems like everybody somebody different wins the division every year we'll see how it goes all right let's check in with our man uh Glenn Smith stretch you figured out I got I got it figured out I got some rabbit ears on this flip phone I got and I figured out a way to get on this thing it's kind of amazing We'll talk nice and loud into your flip phone, will you? I'm, I'm telling you, I am a tech idiot. Idiot. Uh, idiot. The first step to recovery is recognition. So I'll recognize right now. I can't get it done, guys. Well, listen, <laughs> you can just keep talking right into that phone. We'll be fine. So stretch <laughs> these Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they are putting it on people. They they treated Zach Wilson like uh, like a rag doll. And people are waiting to see. I mean, they're playing the Cardinals this week. No one, you know, the Cardinals are tanking. We're not going to find anything out about these Cowboys until they play the 49ers, right? Well, I mean, you say that, but, I mean, I think every, you know, you, you've seen the first two games. I heard you guys talking early in the segment. I mean, you saw the first two games, I think, what this football team is made up of, which it's made up of a defense that can fly around. And they've got – guys that can get after the quarterback. And any time you have that, we talked about it last week, uh, you know, that's, that's going to give you the opportunity. When you can, when you can cover, when you can and – I, and, I, and I heard you guys again talking about the corners. I, I loved it. The very first snap of the game against the Jets, Dallas has 10 guys within three and a half yards of the football. Let me help you out. You don't have to be magna cum law to figure it out. They're in cover one, pal. They are cover one all the way, and they're right up on you. And they're not going to allow a double team to get on Parsons, and then they can bring all of their other weapons. And they've got a multitude of weapons. They've got guys that can roll in on that defensive line. And so I do think your, your, your comment, hey, they're going to be tested. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go to Arizona and win. I don't care who they have. I mean, you know, and, and yes, everybody's pointing towards San Francisco saying this is going to be the game to see 
who is kind of the big, you know, the bully on the block in the NFC. And, and I do believe that that will, I mean, that will tell a lot of, of, of where the Cowboys are, how they are offensively. Because guess what? San Francisco's got just as good a defense. They can match up with you, and it's going to come down to the quarterbacks and how they are able to maneuver through what will be two really good or, you know, arguably two of the best defenses, the two best defenses in the league. So I think that um, Dallas just needs to keep doing what they're doing. I do like what they did offensively. Obviously, everybody's talking about defensively, but offensively they're using all their weapons. They're using Dowdle. They're using Deuce Vaughn. They're using Turpin out of the backfield. They're doing all kinds of different things to give you, which would be the team they're playing this week in Arizona, things to look at defensively and how are you going to match up with their speed on offense. So, uh, you know, right now, uh, you know, everybody in Dallas is drinking the Kool-Aid and they're, 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 they're planning the parade route and ship, you know, we'll let you have a say on the cocktail napkin, whether they want to go down Maine or, or commerce. I mean, I think you get in there and, and weigh in on it. Well, Micah Parsons, the thing I love about Micah Parsons is this guy seems to just be in his own world. He, he gives you max effort every time he's on the field. He's playing to his own standard. He's pushing everyone else up. Talk about the mindset of this guy. Well, I mean, I think, you, you you know, you see a guy who understands what it takes to play the game, and, you know, I mean, his tank is full all the time. I think the key thing that I've seen in the first two games is he plays so hard that, hey, if, if the offense does have, you know, a five or six or seven play drive, guess what? I need you for three to go as hard as you can go, and then I'm going to get you a blow for two, and then you're right back in there. And I think that's what – Again, that's what makes Dallas so dangerous is that they can roll so many guys, I mean, on their defensive front. I mean, when you really, when you think about it, I mean, you've got guys, to me, when you look at Lawrence, Hankins, Williams, Mozzie Smith, Gallimore, Golston, I mean, Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler. They can, they can put Clark and use him as a defense. I mean, I just named you 10 guys. And they're just rolling those guys in so they're always fresh and they're always playing with that same passion and that same energy. And to me, that's what separates the Cowboys. Everybody wants to give McCarthy credit, Dan Quinn credit, and those guys obviously deserve credit. But, I mean, you got to give some credit to the scouting department and the fact that they have stacked the roster. I mean, they let Malik Collins, who was a very productive player for them, just walk out the door and go down the road to Houston. And they just said, hey, go, go get yourself some money because you know what? You're not good enough to make this football team, and he's the best defensive lineman on the Texans. So, I mean, that tells you all that you need to know when you start really studying the roster is looking at the depth of what they can do defensively. And I, I think that's what's going to give them a chance to, to go deep this year, and I don't want to start making predictions. That's why they air-condition the desert when you're a big enough idiot to think you have all those answers. But I, I do think that uh, – you know, that Dallas can go deep because of their depth. They have depth, and they've got offensive line depth. So, I mean, when you've got those two positions that you can roll guys in, if somebody gets a little dinged or somebody's going to be out, because you know that's going to happen in a, in a you know, 17, eight, you know, 18-week season, you know that's going to happen. 
you're going to have to have some guys to step up. And right now, that's exactly what the Cowboys have is depth on the roster. You didn't even mention Odiggy Zula. God bless you. Was that a sneeze? Oh, yes. that's, that's one of <laughs> No question. I mean, hey, that's what I'm saying. I mean, there's so many guys. Hell, I can't take roll, Chip. Thanks for holding <laughs> me accountable, though. People want to know whose forehead we're talking to on the YouTube. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to get in the microphone. How about looking at my ceiling fan? How do you like that? That's good, too. <laughs> We want us. We want it all. Stretch. I got you. Yeah, I got. I got. I got. I got a receding hairline. It's it's hell getting old. Ain't nobody. Ain't nobody outrun Father Time. I like how you got your hat pulled down like you're coming out of shoot number four on Fu Man. You got it pulled down so nobody can see that forehead you got. Oh yeah, it's a mess. There you go. <laughs> oh, stretch, man. You're hilarious. Hey, speaking of Michael Parsons, who does he remind you of? Just all the players that you've seen. Again, what's his position? We know he rushes from an edge spot at times, but Dan Quinn has him all over the place. He's just a football player. But there's yeah. anybody that comes to mind when you watch him, like, oh, man, he looks like this or looks like that. Yeah, you know, I, I really hate saying that. I do. I hate getting into that uh, mindset. I'll, I'll tell you this, though, that when you watch him, he, he even though he's a guy that's, you know, I, I don't know what they've got him listed at in the depth chart. I'm going to say they list him at about 250. He can come down inside and play as a three technique, like a 300-pound guy. He can play as a zero nose. He plays with leverage. He has length. He understands how to wrong-arm things. I mean, he can do so many things across the board. I mean, I you know, I... I know people say, well, LT, well, yeah, he's an edge rusher like that. They were, you know, the Giants and during that time were a 34 defense. Dallas at times will play some 34 look. But I think he's unlike anything the NFL has seen because, again, he can come all the way down inside. And if you decide to run the football on him, you know what? He understands how to play with that leverage. And you'd, you'd think, well, a guy 250 – if he's matched up with a guy 320, we can knock his ass off the ball. Well, not always can you knock him off the ball because he understands leverage. And I think that's the, I mean, I think that's the key. You know, you when you when you really start looking at, at inside guys, you know, the guys that used to be heavy into scouting, they always wanted that guy that was a wrestler, that guy that understood how to play with a certain amount of leverage. And we had, when I was with the Cowboys, we had Mark Stepnoski here. And even though he was only 285, he, he knew how to leverage guys. He knew how to play with a certain pad level. He knew how to, he knew how to bend his knees. I mean, you watch, you watch Parsons, hell, he makes a sack, and the next thing you know, he's down on all fours like a damn lion, and he's just ripping up the field about seven yards. You're like, oh, my gosh. I mean, he can move, and he's, he just he plays with leverage. And so I'm not trying to dodge your question. I'm trying to say that I don't know that there's anybody else out there like him. I mean, I think he's that dynamic of a football player and and uh, his bank accounts getting ready to show that in about a year oh man is that the truth i mean now now you look at it and you you say how did he how did he fall to 12 in that in that 2021 draft well you know and i, I again i think when you start entering other little you know you start entering all the other things you know again i don't know if he had you know, what he was like during his pro day, you know, did he have some issues, 
while he was on campus. And there's well, so many other. He didn't play in 2020. At yeah, Penn he sat State. out the COVID he sat out year. that year, so I think that hurt him a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's what I'm saying. You see what I mean? So now we're start. Now we're going to get into those situations where you just start. You know, you start wondering, hey, how does the guy fall? How does the guy get there? I mean, I, we could go over all the scouting things that I heard. I mean, we could have a whole show one day. I, I remember, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. I'm just giving you this as a for instance. But Darren Cheverini, he was a receiver at Colorado. He's now, he's been an assistant coach at a bunch of different places. A really good kid. But I remember the guy came in to give the scouting report. And he gives a scouting report on Colorado. He starts going over Darren Cheverini. He starts telling you a little bit about his background. And he goes, and his dad is an Elvis impersonator in Vegas. What the hell has that got to do with anything? <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, the, the, the fact that he can sing Dixie on the strip in, 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 in Vegas, does that make a crap what kind of football player he is? But I, I'm just saying, you know, there's so many little things when you start, you know, again, it's almost like they put those guys up on the board and they try to start shooting them down. Hey, let me shoot a hole in this guy. Let me tell you, th this guy's house, I went into his house, and his mother was cooking meatloaf, and it smelled like a diner. Now he goes from the second pick to the fourth pick. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. So I just, you know, there's, there's so many different things. And, you know, why does a guy go that way? I mean, that's where you have to give credit to the scouting department for standing up and saying, hey, you know what? If that kid was on the board right now, every team in the NFL picks him number one, and they're trading multiple first-round picks to go get him. Yeah, no doubt. Speaking of scouting report, go back to your coaching days, like because our listeners they don't understand what all goes into a scouting report. Like it gets deep, real deep. As you said, you know about the mamas and the girlfriends and what they like to do in their free time and stuff. Stretch. What takes a good scouting team prepare week to week for your opponents? Did we lose them? Uh oh. I thought he just went black and took the camera off. Uh -oh. Stretch. Stretch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I ain't going to lie. Stretch was struggling. That forehead. <laughs> Yo, Double D, you crazy for that one. That's <laughs> That almost made me bust out laughing, man. I would have been mad. On there the he is, man. I'm, so, man I'm, so, I'm sorry, man. I ask your question one more one more time. Uh, my, my, rabbit, my rabbit ears fell off this damn phone. Nah, you're good, brother. So, so let our listeners know about what takes a good scouting report. And I mean, from week to week, getting ready for your opponent. Like, what takes a good scouting report, and what do you prepare for? What do you look for? What's obvious, and what might not be so obvious, but will be important for that game Sunday to Sunday. Well, I, 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 again, you know, you're going to have if you're talking about you know who you're playing the following week. If you're if you're into that. You know you're gonna you're gonna come in Monday and you're gonna hear who the best players are and you think about you know the Arizona Cardinals and how they're gonna have to match up with the Dallas defense. I mean who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna be able to cover you know certain receivers who you think can match up in certain areas. You start talking about a college scouting you know week to week report you know and looking at certain guys. I think that's a, that's a different dynamic. So. I believe if you're asking me from a week-to-week -week standpoint about an NFL roster and how you match up 
and how you say, you know, we're going to be able, and you're, let's say you're an advanced pro scout of the Cowboys, how are we going to go match up with an Arizona team? What are we going to do to get after them? And I think when you flip the script, I mean, I have no idea how an offensive guy, and I'd like to get in, everybody gives Shanahan a ton of credit, and he is a smart offensive mind, but it would be nice to understand his offensive mindset and how he would think about attacking a Dallas defense that, quite frankly, fellas, I think has zero weaknesses. And when I tell you zero weaknesses, I'm talking about none. I'm talking about they can run, they can cover, they'll hit you, and they got depth. Now, what else would you need other than that? And so I think it'll be interesting to see when it comes time to play San Francisco, hey, who matches up with Iuke? How are they going to, you know what I'm saying, from the Cowboys' standpoint, how are you going to place your better guys over their guys? And I think that that'll be the game that's inside the game, and that's going to, you know, that'll determine what, uh, you know, what's what's fun to watch and. We talk about gambling and the betting lines all the time, and that's a big deal. And, and I'm sure that all of those analytics are obviously things that they take into consideration. Well, and it sounds like we've got breaking news coming out of the Cowboys practice today. Trayvon Diggs on crutches headed for an MRI, and um, apparently the injury occurred in practice today. And... No one has the specifics yet, but that does not sound good. Um, Stretch, we were talking about the depth. Uh, If Trayvon Diggs is out, um, just talk about. Well, I mean, and and that's what I'm saying. So, so now you now you say, okay, are we going to step up? Are we going to are we going to move Ball inside? Are we going to move Jordan Lewis out? Are we going to be able to? You know, where are we going to put? Where, where would we put uh, Makuamu? I mean, that hey, that's that's part of football, and we all know that. And attrition is part of the game. And and I saw that just come across a while ago. And obviously, Diggs is a really good corner. But I'm telling you, the Cowboys have they've got multiple guys. Are they as good? No. Could they change a few things? Yes. Are they going to have to then give over the top help? Yes. Now that creates a whole nother set of problems for you as you start looking about you know, hey, how are we going to attack this defense? We don't want to see anybody go down. But let me tell you, Dallas is loaded, fellas, and they will they, – they, they, I'm not going to say they're not going to miss a beat. I'm telling you that the bottom line is this defense is built on getting after the quarterback, and that's what they'll continue to do. Well, and uh, our listener Israel wants, uh, wants you to talk about draft night when Randy Moss – was drafted and the Cowboys of course took Greg Ellis. Ooh. Were are you, you trying, are you trying to draw me off sides on this chip? Because you know this story. I know you okay. know this story. I don't, I don't know, know it. I, know. I don't know it. Stretch. Well, all right. I, I I don't know what when you got to go to break, but I'll try to I'll try to narrow this down for you. So because <laughs> I because I had been at Oklahoma uh, with Jim Donnan, who was the head coach at Marshall before he took the Georgia job, I knew the guys on the staff at Marshall. And so Jerry wanted the real information on Randy Moss. And he wanted to send somebody who could get to the Brad Lamberts and the Mark Gales. And those are guys that were assistants at Marshall at the time that had not gone with Jim Donnan when he had taken the Georgia job. 
So they sent me to Charleston, West Virginia, and I spent 10 days, 10, I said, with Randy Moss. I mean, we went to Hooters every night. You know, we were going to different places to eat. We were doing different things. I mean, I was shooting basketball at the Y with him. I was trying to talk to all the coaches to really find out what was going on because obviously Michael Irvin had been in some issues here in Dallas. And, you know, Chan was a little bit leery of drafting or wanting to draft somebody uh, in that position who had some questionable background. So I went to Charleston, West Virginia. I checked in the JW Marriott. I spent 10 days with Randy Moss, with his agent, doing everything I knew to do. I mean, we were, again, we were shooting hoops, doing all kinds of stuff. And then I'd work him out one or two times. I remember taking him out. And I'm not kidding you, West Virginia grass is that thick bladed grass. And I ran him uphill in a 40 yard, and he ran like a 4-4. And the grass was high. I'm talking about like where you'd feed a damn horse high. And I thought, oh my gosh. I, I mean, and I was calling back every evening. And I was saying, draft this kid, draft this kid. The bottom line was he had originally left West Virginia he had gone to Notre Dame. He had a he had a, a physical confrontation with a girl his first semester at Notre Dame. Lou Holtz sent him out. He went to Florida State. And while he was at Florida State that first semester, I believe he was, there was, you know, he, he had a little small roach, I mean, a very small amount of marijuana, and they kicked him out of school. Other than that, he was a great. He was fun to be around. He was, I mean, everything that you could imagine. And I'm there in West Virginia. I had the jersey. Uh, I had the hat. I thought, we're taking this guy. And then, you know, the 19th pick of the draft, I'm sitting there. ESPN knew, I, you know, the Cowboys were there. The 19th pick of the draft, the Cowboys draft Greg Ellis. So I can't get out of West Virginia soon enough. So I catch a ride. Uh, I jump in my car. Sure enough, they can get me out of Lexington, Kentucky. And there's nothing available in first class. And I mean, at the time, I was at all kinds of American miles. I'm like, why can't I get on first class? I had to sit in the back. Well, it's, you know, it's every horse jockey and trainer in the country trying to get into Kentucky Derby. And the only positive thing was I ended up giving the jersey and the hat to a jockey who was coming to ride at Lone Star. About two weeks later, he gave me a winner. And I ended up going out there and cashing a ticket for about $11,000. Other than that, it was a pain in the ass. But I made a little money on the deal, and, you know, that's the story. I mean, I wanted Randy Moss so bad, and every time I see him, he kind of laughs. But I re I'll never forget he came in that following Thanksgiving to Texas Stadium, and he told me, he said, Coach, I'm getting ready to light you guys up, and you know what? He did. <laughs> Yeah, three touchdowns that day. That was an amazing game. So they were really afraid because of playmakers' issues off the field that they would might have to deal with that if they drafted Randy? I, I mean, I think when you, again, you got to look at the whole picture. You know, Michael had been in some trouble. They didn't want a questionable character guy. You know, Chan wanted a, you know, you know he wanted a different style of receiver. You know, we had, we had Mills. We had, you know, we had multiple guys who he had kind of, tried to bring through there, but none of them worked out. And, and yeah, I, I, I mean, I think if Jerry is honest, 
and he was he'd really be honest about it. I think one of his big and Greg Ellis was a heck of a guy, great guy, good football player, but he wasn't Randy Moss. And if Jerry was honest about it, he'd say one of the biggest mistakes I made was I, you know, I allowed somebody else draft day to talk me out of it because I had never seen and I had been around Johnny Lamb Jones at Texas, who I know all you guys know. He anchored the four by one hundred as a seventeen or eighteen year old kid, won the gold medal. He was a first player picked by the Jets. I mean, I'd never seen anybody do the things that I saw Johnny Lamb Jones do. And then when I got to Randy Moss, it was a whole, then it was a whole nother level. And that was, I mean, that level was amazing. And I, he could do anything. I truly believe Randy Moss could have played in the NBA. You know, he had, as his teammate, he had uh, chocolate or the white, uh, whatever the kid's name was. Yeah, white chocolate, Jason Williams. That was his high school teammate. I mean, you talk about basketball player. I mean, Randy Moss is a hell of a basketball player. And, and I mean, when I think of three guys that I, you know, that I really stack everybody up against, it would be Johnny Lamb Jones. It would be Randy Moss and it's Deion Sanders. I mean, I've never seen anybody that could do, and I'm not talking about play football. I'm talking about play anything. Deion Sanders would whip your ass and ping pong. I mean, he called himself Prime Lee Chin. He'd wear you out. I mean, he he, he looked like one of them guys. Pow, 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 pow. He'd just wear you out in ping pong. And Randy Moss was that way. I mean, he could do anything. I, You know, and so, um, you know, when oh. you have those rare athletes and you choose not to take them, it, it, it can set you back. And I think it set the Cowboys back a long time. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Because I, I covered the Cowboys when Ellis was there and, I, I think you're absolutely right, Stretch. That haunted Jerry. It it haunted him for years. Um, well, listen, you are the man. And oh, I'm glad you got your rabbit ears back on your flip phone so that you could join us today. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I'd like to think I got good stories, but I can tell you right now, the first step to recovery is recognition, and I am a computer idiot. So <laughs> thanks for letting me in, fellas. What's your uh, what's your prediction for Texas Baylor Saturday night? You know what I I, I really think Texas handles business. I really do. I I, uh, I I watched part of the game last week and I happened to catch that fourth quarter and I, I saw Texas cut it on when they needed to cut it on. You know what? Now just go kind of play with that same you know with that same fire. Go down there to Waco and and take care of business. I I, I think Texas. Take care, you know. Go, go. I, I really do. I believe they go. I mean, I could see a, I could see a forty-one seventeen just butt thrashing in Waco, Texas, and then you could go eat yourself a corn dog over at Chip and Joanna's restaurant and get your ass home, Chip. <laughs> hey, Stretch, appreciate it, my friend. You think the Cowboys handle business too? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I. I'm drinking the orange and the blue Kool-Aid. I take one sip of the orange and then one hit of the blue, baby. I'm on Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Hey, and it ain't that it ain't that fake sweetener shit either. It's the real Kool-Aid. I got the cane sugar working. There we go. That's what I'm talking about, Stretch. Hey. All right, man. All right. It's amazing. Have a good day, fellas. All right. There he is. Glenn Smith, Stretch, talking Cowboys, Randy Moss, Longhorns. Guys, one of a kind. You know, that Randy Moss story is amazing. I've never heard that before. That was terrific, Chip. 
because I love Randy Moss. I thought he was so cold and, in a way, a little misunderstood. You know, I think he was just a competitor. And just like a lot of wide receivers, they like to have fun. Yes, they could be a little bit of a diva. But, yo, man, after Jerry Rice, it's Randy Moss for me. Greatest wide receiver of all time, easily. Right? Well, I know there's a lot of other guys, but Randy Moss, that dude was different. Israel, thanks for uh, for getting us to ask Stretch about Randy Moss. Yeah, that was uh, that was a great story. Uh, if you just are tuning in, what the hell's wrong with you? You missed it, but you can still catch it on the podcast. Make sure that you are uh, dialed in, you know, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you you can check that out. All right, before we get to the right call, let me tell you about where your new Monday night hangout is. I'm telling you what. How about uh, Salt Traders? Coastal cooking, baby. I mean, look, you love oysters. This is your spot. But all the seafood at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Let me give you a little backstory here. So this is Jack Gilmore's restaurant, Jack of Jack Allen's Kitchen. And Jack, he did the menus for Z Tejas and Eddie V's before he went out on his own. Jack Allen's Kitchen. You love Jack Allen's Kitchen. Everybody loves Jack Allen's Kitchen. And Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. I mean, this is the best seafood, the best oysters, prepared every kind of way. And all night happy hour on Mondays. So... Make it a date night, you know, grab your grab your girl or guy starting at 3.30. You got $5 off all appetizers, dollar off all oysters and drinks, happy hour all night on Monday night. So boom, there it is. You got, you got date night, you got Monday night football, um, and then happy hour lasts until 6.30 the rest of the week, 3.30 to 6.30. Make sure you're getting into Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, the two locations right there in Austin and Round Rock. You can thank us later. All right. Now it's time for the right call with my man Zay Collier. Let's get it. Let's get it. Before we get to the right call, just a little bit of uh, our text line. We got to get to that. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We've got a bad job of our text line. I've been checking it out. 512-222-9328. Somebody gave Quinn Ewers a B for his performance. These first three games says it's a B because it's a 79.6 and it rounded up to an 80. All right. Hey, everybody has their own grades. But yeah, I think we all agree it's a B right now. And they also said somebody also said body language is body language. So I think that's also referring to Quinn Ewers and just his body language from last year to this year, which is a lot better. Thank goodness for that. And I think comes with that is confidence and just leadership, you know, and being comfortable in who you are. You got rid of the bullet. You've lost weight. You know, you feel better. And now Demarion Overshaw, Roshan Johnson, and Bijan, guys who were leaders last year, are gone. So somebody has 
to help take over. And I think Quinn Ewers, along with a lot of other guys, T. Sweat, Byron Murphy, Xavier Worthy, Jaron Thompson, Jalen Ford, et cetera, they've taken over that leadership role and have embraced it. So that's why you see 3-0 and right now, even though it's kind of been a roller coaster, these three games, if you put them all together. And I think if they take that mindset against Baylor Chip, they're going to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, uh, I mean, this feels like it could be the the beatdown we've been waiting for. Um, and, you know, Dave Aranda's talking about, I'm blessed to be able to do something about it. Baylor fans want this game more than any other one. Just if there's one game you can win, make sure it's Texas. Well, you can't, you can't bring a butter knife to a gunfight. You know, and I'm not, I'm not, listen, I think Baylor's got some good players. I don't know what's going on. We talked to Matt Mosley earlier in the week. You know, Monterey Baldwin might be checking out mentally. It's crazy. You can't have that, man. You cannot have players, playmakers. Monterey Baldwin is a playmaker and he's checking out. I mean, that's. That tells me the locker room. He doesn't. Aranda doesn't have control of the locker room. I like Aranda. He's interesting to me, but he's almost like too much of a deep thinker. Like he's was slow on the transfer portal, and that's one thing I'll say about Sark. Sark has said from the beginning, you got to adapt. He tells that goofy story about the dinosaurs, and oh, well, he said that a lot since he's been here at the Forty Acres. He loves going to that. Yeah, like the dinosaurs didn't adapt and they're not here anymore. I'm like, well, didn't they get hit by a meteor? (laughs) I mean, I think those poor dinosaurs just got screwed by the asteroids or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, Sark talks about adapting and he adapted and, hey, look, it's like that kid in Animal House. I talk about it. He's looking at his Playboy and then the girl comes flying in through the window. That's how Texas was with A.D. Mitchell. It was like, Thank you, God. You know, A.D. Mitchell just pops up and your flies through the window. Um, and Sark has adapted and he's done well in the portal. He's not he's not overdoing it in the portal. He's definitely going to go get his high school guys, but he's going to fill where he can with the portal. And Aranda's slow on the uptick. Dabo Sweeney's slow on the uptick. And they're paying for it. I mean... You gotta, you gotta adapt. You can't be like, oh, I just don't believe in this. Well, guess what? Everyone else does, and they're about to beat your ass with players they got out of the portal. Maybe some of your players. It just feels like Baylor. I don't know. I, I said going into the season, it feels like something's off. And I, he won with Matt Rule's players, and now he's got to win with his players, and we'll see. Yeah, sure didn't look good against Texas State. Good God, Texas State owned the trenches in that game, and that's and then you know the Utah game. But it's uh, and if that doesn't wake you up, Chip, hell, GJ Kenny, he has the second most transfer portal guys in the San Marcos than anyone, and he just beat you as a G five based on the Power Five. And yeah, that dude had no choice. So yeah, you got to adapt, just like you're saying, and. Monterey Baldwin, that is a weird situation. Now, Jonah Burton, 
the person that's been getting a lot of minutes over him in a way, that dude, he's been all right when he's gotten out there. So do they believe in Burton more than they do Baldwin, which is a reason why Baldwin has checked out because he probably thinks, man, this our coach, he's all about, you know, playing the guys who are loyal. He's done that the last two years, or last season. I mean, like, so why, why not me? I've been here for a long time. I've been loyal. Why aren't you giving me that treatment? And yeah, I don't believe in anybody checking out. I think that's bad for your team and the chemistry and just what you got going on as a ball club. But hey, it happens and it's going to continue to happen just because you're talking about young kids right here who are the best player on their high school team. And now they're not used to failure. So yeah, that's, that's a tough situation. And Texas should have no problem. Well, if you're just tuning in to Chip and Zay, where have you been? But uh, uh, Trayvon Diggs, the Dallas Cowboys corner, was seen leaving practice on crutches. And there's all kinds of reporting coming out of Dallas now, Frisco, wherever the star is, um, that he suffered, obviously, a lower leg injury in practice today and is now headed to get an MRI. Uh, I don't think there's been any word from the Cowboys yet on how severe this injury is for for Trayvon Diggs. And obviously, um, we talked about it with Glenn Smith because it was happening as we were talking to Stretch. And he says, look, they got guys. They They can move guys around. You got Jordan Lewis. You got, you know, guys... They're, they're deep enough, and because their defense is so about getting to the quarterback, and, you know, that takes some of the pressure off the secondary. Now, that you're counting on Micah Parsons staying healthy and staying the, the king of the, the jungle. If he's, you know, the lion after those sacks, then uh, you that's the one guy you can't, you, you can't live without, Micah Parsons. It sounds... You know, Stretch thinks the Cowboys can survive. I don't. We don't know how severe this injury is to Trayvon Diggs, but this is this is a blow. This is a blow. Yeah, it's a huge blow. I mean, now it's Stephon Gilmore on the number one guy majority of the game where him and Diggs, they were switching off. Like Diggs was guarding a little bit of Garrett Wilson last week. Then Stephon Gilmore guarded a little bit of Garrett Wilson last week. And now it's going to be all Stephon Gilmore until we find out how critical this injury is. But yeah, I don't think it's very good for the Cowboys. You paid Trayvon Diggs a lot of money for a reason. And that dude, he's been solid this season. So hopefully it's not one of those turf knee injuries to where, you know, he just stepped the wrong way and his knee gave out. Like definitely praying that's not the case. But if he's out maybe a month or a couple of weeks or so, then that's good news for the Cowboys standpoint. If he's out for three months or so where he might not be back until December, yet alone the playoffs or postseason, then that's, I think that's some trouble that the Cowboys have gotten into. So we'll see what happens. Obviously against Arizona, I don't think it's going to affect that game whatsoever, but yeah, Trayvon Diggs, he ain't no scrub. Like that dude, he could ball and him being around six two, six three, he's one of those difference makers on the defensive end for Dan Quinn's squad. Come on down, Deron Bland. Deron Bland. Deron pick, six. Bland. pick six against the Giants, man. He ain't scared. 
Pick six against the Giants. Fifth round pick out of Fresno State last year. He ain't scared. He's, I mean, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. Right. Um, because he'll be part of the rotation. Jordan Lewis will be part of the rotation uh, coming in to, to uh, fill the void of Trayvon Diggs, who, again, left practice today on crutches. And um, the, you know, the report is that uh, he's having an MRI on his knee and um, this, uh, none of it sounds good. So we'll just have to wait and see what the, uh, what the tests show. But um, yeah. Trayvon Diggs is a baller. I know Cowboys fans probably thinking the football gods, here we go again. Because it, it feels like it. It feels like the season. You're right there. You've been, what does Jerry and Stephen Jones say? Um, God, that's saying for like right on the cusp of it. They've said something about it in one of their pressers early in the season. But that's left my mind at the moment. But everybody had that feeling. The way Micah Parsons is talking, just fired Kellen Moore. So Big Mike's making the calls. Like everybody's been feeling, okay, this is the season even if we win 12 games, we'll get over the hump and defeat a Philadelphia Eagles or San Francisco 49ers to get to the Super Bowl. And this happens in week three. Like, that's that's tough, man. I get it, Cowboys fans. Like, I feel your pain. That is tough to swallow. That is a tough pill to swallow right there. And, yeah, hopefully Trayvon Diggs is all right and it's not as bad as what it seems right now. Yeah, we'll have to uh, see what the – See what the MRI says. Um, Zay, Thursday Night Football, you're licking your chops. Yeah, let's make this the right call segment. You know, Thursday Night Football tonight. I'm looking for an absolute blowout. I haven't seen the line right now, but whatever it is, I'm taking the 49ers. I mean, come on. The For one, the Giants, they've been on the West Coast for like a week and some change now. Like when they played Arizona last week, which Arizona, those fools were trying to tank. So the fact that they have to come back 21 points just to beat them, that's brutal. And yeah, not being able to go back home. They probably bought family with them, but you just get in a different routine that you're not necessarily used to by just staying, you know, in the West Coast like they have been. And yeah, Brock Purdy, he's looked good. He's looked good. Like not turn the ball over and just all the weapons that you have around you, you don't have to do much. You really don't. Like, I, how do you stop the 49ers? Like, I don't know how you go into game planning, how to stop them because George Kittle could go off any game. Debo Samuel, you, you got to follow wherever the hell he is and where he's not. Christian McCaffrey probably is. So those two dudes you got to deal with. And then just Brandon Ayuk is so underrated. He is so tough. All those other guys I just named get so much love, which they should. They damn where should. But Brandon Ayuk, like, he's one of the best number two wide receivers in the league. Like, that dude's route running is tough. He has hands. He's stronger than he looks. Like, and he benefits off of all the guys that I just named because everybody has the magnifying glass on them. So, yeah, 49ers, as good as the Cowboys are, again, hopefully Trayvon Diggs comes back sooner than later. That's still going to be a tough matchup, whether it's a couple of weeks from now in the playoffs, getting past those 49ers with the defense that they have, as ferocious as they are with Bosa, Greenlaw, you know, Warner, Hufunga, Ward, 
it's going to be tough for anybody to dethrone them, which they have a chip on their shoulder because they feel like they got hosed with Brock Purdy tearing his UCL in the NFC Championship game. Well, I know this much. Kyle Shanahan is one hell of a coach because Brock Purdy was good right up until you needed him. He was Kirk Cousins at Iowa State. He was good right up until you had to have him in the championship game. And then he was a turnover machine. And now everyone's like, oh, Brock Purdy. I'm like, Micah Parsons is going to eat Brock Purdy for like a snack when they when they meet up again, or at least he should. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that Brock Purdy bubble is going to burst. All right. We need to bring in the uh, the fellas. We got uh, Trey and KD. What up, dogs? What's up, guys? What's up, guys? Great show. Hey, did you hear the the Glenn Smith story about Randy Moss? Oh, my God. <laughs> I caught well, the very end, so I'm going to go back and listen. But, like, y'all are, y'all are putting on a good product, man. I love both y'all, but so I'm biased, but it's a good show. What was the, what's the Cliff Notes version of this story? Oh, my God. They sent him to to Charleston, West Virginia to scout, you know, make sure everything was airtight with Randy Moss. He's telling him, draft him, draft him. The guy's amazing. And then all of a sudden, they draft Greg Ellis and Stretch is like, get me the hell out of Charleston. He's, (laughs) He's like, I can't believe we screwed this up. And, uh. Yeah. All right, pop, pop quiz for y'all. Where did Randy Moss sign originally? Out Notre of Dame. Notre yeah. Dame, yeah. yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah. No. Well, according to Stretch, if Playmaker wasn't sniffing cocaine, hanging out with hookers and hotels, <laughs> then they might have drafted Randy Moss. But they were so scared about his luggage that they said, no, we don't want to have these problems again. And it screwed them for probably the next decade. And Randy tore them up. Like as a rookie or second year guy, oh. you know, so I mean, you chip, you know this. He had like three catches for two hundred and twenty nine yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, and Stretch said that Randy Moss walked over to him before the game and said, "You know, I'm about to light your ass up, right?" Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so Dion made me a Florida State fan in the '80s because Texas sucked and he played football and baseball. So, as you guys know, I was second trimester and working for KOBJ and John Medani covering stuff. So, I was like 15. I looked like I was nine. And Clay Shiver was the Cowboys center. And um, and I asked him, I go, what about this Randy Moss guy who redshirted last year? What's going on? He said, we had to take him out of the scout team because he was ruining our All-American cornerback's confidence. Like, <laughs> burning them. Hey, Clay Shiver told me that. I'm like, I can't wait to watch Randy Moss at now Marshall. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's, True story. that's amazing. Right. And uh, and Trayvon Diggs, we're waiting to find out what that injury is for Cowboys fans. That hurts. That happened in practice today. But you fellas, take it away. We will not, uh, we will not hold you up any longer. Have a great show, fellas. 